This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention, I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk, and this is going to be a COVID 19 edition where we're going to explore the future of us. And just to be clear, since we're talking about COVID 19, we have to sort of put a date stamp on what's going on. So we are recording this on October 28th. So whatever we say that's true on October 28th, we discover things after this that could affect the information that we share with you. So that's my that's my entry disclaimer on what's going on, or rather my entry claimer, <laughs> if there's <laughs> such a thing. So my co-host for this episode, Paul Mercurio. Paul. Hey Neil, how are you, dude? You're you're special for this because you actually had COVID. Yes, and, and I, I, yeah. You you asked me to get it for the episode. Oh yes, thank you. You were you were such a such a, a role player in I'm what we've got here. I'm committed. You're committed. <laughs> you you have to be the virus. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> be the ball. Be, be, the, be ball. the virus. <laughs> you're host of the the Paul Mercurio show, which yes. I will never forgive you for just. Not being inventive there. Uh, okay. the I tried other things. I tried two chairs and a microphone. And that didn't go. <laughs> and, and, and three ferns and a and a, <laughs> right. and a zinnia plant or whatever. <laughs> two kidneys and a, and a, and a thyroid. <laughs> I tried everything. Uh, I got to work on that. Yeah, keep working on it. I'll help you right. too. I, I like coming up with new new names of things. Okay. Uh, but today we're talking about the future of humanity in the wake of COVID, and and also we're going to focus on those who are most vulnerable in a societal way, which are the children, 
right? Even if children, they sort of get it, but it's not too serious and they bounce back. Society that is trying to take care of them and the society they will inherit has been indelibly touched by this virus. And so since neither you nor I, other than that you have become the virus for this episode, have special expertise, we go back to our man who's not only a, a, a specialist in diseases, he's a specialist in children who get disease, and it's Erwin Redliner. Dr. Erwin Redliner, welcome back to Star Talk. Thanks, Dale. So happy to be with you and Paul. Yeah, let me get your resume just out there, just so people know. You're a pediatrician, co-founder of the Children's Health Fund, and that's an international thing where you just, you're helping children no matter where they are and no matter their capacity to afford. And you're founding director of Columbia University's National Center for Disaster Preparedness. And we've had you on for that reason before, right? right. So uh, thanks for ag having agreed to do that. You can check our archival episodes for that. And you the, show, the show brings you on for all really depressing stuff, pretty <laughs> yeah, much. Yeah, uh, I've been called Dr. Doom by a couple of radio hosts. <laughs> oh, man, man. And yeah, because he's, he's the, you know, for that other title he carries, that's like when the asteroid comes and takes out the grid and the, and the, and the ability to respond with first responders. Mm. So, yeah, that's a definitely the doom, doomsday Dude, he's, doomsday he's doctor. Uh, and you created the Pandemic Resource and Response Initiative at Columbia University. So what yeah. is that, and when did you create that? Well, we created this back in April when it was apparent that uh, things were really going to hell here with, uh, you know, especially in New York where we are. And uh, the hospitals were completely overloaded. The fatality rates were through the roof and uh, sort of leading the world in death and destruction from this uh, COVID uh, virus. So yeah, so we created it and what- Leading it the world because of our, we just didn't, we were ignorant and- Well, and, we, um, you know- And, and we didn't listen. We, we didn't listen. Didn't we didn't listen take to proactive action. Right. right. And we actually mm -hmm. performed way uh, more inadequately than other peer countries. In fact, we just issued a report uh, that said that if we had done what Japan or South Korea or Canada, Australia, or Germany had done, we could have saved hundred more than 100,000 lives. In fact, there were 217,000 fatalities from COVID uh, a week ago Friday, which is the day we issued the report. And at that point, and there were 217,000 fatalities, if we had done what uh, Canada had done in terms of early on aggressive interventions, we could have saved 130,000 lives, Neil. Of that two seven. Wow. So, so, so these countries you choose these countries because they're they are our sort of uh, technological peers. Sort of yeah. social peer group, right? Right. Okay. Exactly. So it's and sensible economic. to compare, and economic right. especially, right? Yeah. Right. And we should be leading the world, I and mean, we have the wherewithal, we have the scientific power. If we had done what South Korea and Japan had done, we would have had two hundred thousand lives saved. Uh, in other words, if we, we looked at the, almost all of those who died, almost died. all. And this is a tragedy of just enormous proportions. And uh, it should not have happened in the United States, but it did. And it's still happening because there's really not much that's changed in terms of our policies and leadership uh, from the top. 
So, so, so this, I'm, I'm especially disappointed by this because I'm old enough. I'm older than both of you guys. I'm, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not even close. I, yeah. I, I no, I, I, mean, I, I fact, grew up. I could have adopted you. That's all. <laughs> no. I changed your diapers. Not too late. Just, <laughs> no, I, I just remember it with all the problems we had, you know, with Vietnam yeah. and all sure. the civil rights. We were still the model of the world for scientific advances and health exactly. advances. And, and, yeah. and I expected, you know, we would see these film loops of other countries. Oh, look at them. They don't have an infrastructure. There was like, yeah. they would be the benefit of our pity, yeah. right? That we yeah, would yeah. then send money their way, help them because yeah, we yeah. are exemplar. And now, you know, it's I, I, I down, feel bad yeah. about that. Yeah. It's upside it's, down. Yeah. But the fact is we are now, October 28th, at a higher peak in new COVID cases in the United States than at, than at any previous time correct. in this pandemic. Is that correct, Irwin? It is correct. And the trajectory is up. There's no, there's no suggestion that it's about to you know, peak and then start coming down again. It's just up. And we've been so, predicting for a okay, long so, time. So in other words, it's not even leveling. It's just it's not leveling. It's, just, it's, just, it's, it's, it's aiming high. Aiming high. Aiming high. And uh, that's a problem. And, um, you know, we, but we've been talking for a long time about, you know, the winter is coming, uh, to borrow the uh, Game of Thrones phrase. Yeah, that and started it is there, coming. yeah. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's scary. It's, it's, there's no let up in sight. And there's no way to create a model or there, there's no model that suggests that it is going to slow down anytime soon, in fact. And, you know, there's a great case study in Kansas because the governor was going to mandate masks and the Republican legislature then took the power away from the governor to do that yeah. and said the community. So all of, of 120 commu- counties, 100 said no mandate on masks, 20 did. And in July, at that point, it went like this. In other words, those that mandated masks leveled off yeah. and those 100 counties didn't spike. Yeah. And they're the data is, 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 is incontrovertible. In fact, there's a co- compilation of this uh, with regard to um, actually a red state, blue state compilation for what states are leading in yeah. new cases versus others that have leveled off. New York City, while our rates have gone up, they're still really low compared with most other states. That's at this right. Point. That is right. Very proud of my fellow New Yorkers because we're a crammy set of people, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, oh, you can fit another 12 people in that elevator. Keep yeah, them yeah, coming exactly. in. You know, we, exactly. <laughs> it's the only time you're justified to push an old lady out of an elevator. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I have done it now. Uh, so, Erwin, Erwin, I want to talk to you about your book. Okay. Which is The Future of Us. I'm going to get the full title. What the Dreams of Children Mean in 21st Century America. So, so, so Erwin, t- can you tell us a little bit about this book? Yeah, so what was driving this book, uh, Neil, was my observation personally. You know, I've taken care of very disadvantaged children as a, as a, as a pediatrician for decades. And uh, there was one particular situation that uh, stuck with me. It was in the early 90s. I was seeing a homeless uh, child whose family was homeless. And this kid actually was separated from his family extremely poor. He was in a foster home that uh, we were providing care in. And we were using the mobile pediatric clinics with the children's cell phone. Long story short, nurse says this is a child named William, a 10-year-old, in the back examining room with the mobile unit. And I go in and I'm chatting with him. He's he's very shy. And I ask the, the question that often works, which is what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was shocked. This was up this was a homeless kid picked up by a foster family being treated in your yeah. 
free medical care exactly. children's health fund truck. Exactly. And okay. he was incredibly poor and faced many adversities in his life. But when I asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up, he said, I want to be a paleontologist. I, I'm saying, Whoa. really? What is a paleontologist? He said, well, I want to look for dinosaur bones and whatever. I said, well, how did you, how did you learn about that? And he pulls out an old yellowed uh, article from the New York Times about paleontology. And he kept this in his pocket always. And this was his lifeline, his beacon of hope that someday he would get out of whatever he's facing and be able to do that. And I looked at him, Neil, and I was, first of all, I was almost weeping. And I didn't, I didn't weep. I was just very overwhelmed with sadness by, because I was realizing the chance of this kid becoming a paleontologist were essentially nil. And it was very distressing to me. And I happened to be speaking to a friend of mine um, named Billy Shore, who started an anti-hunger organization. And I was telling him about this story. I was on one of his podcasts and he said to me, well, my 10-year-old son, this is Billy saying, wants to be a paleontologist. And we bought him, you know, a dozen books on the subject. We've taken him to the museums and we flew him out to actually meet a very famous paleontologist. And I'm saying, Jesus, you know, this is, this is the point. There are some children who have the support mechanisms from their family, from their parents, from their community that allow them to pursue their dreams. And there's other children like William who have no chance. And the fact is that we have millions of children in America who face futures that are uncertain at best. And certainly uh, the ability for them to achieve their dreams is extremely limited. So then even if you're hope. selfish, even if you're selfish, yeah. where you say, I don't care about these other people, I only care about my people, there is still the loss to the country. Terrible loss to the country. For the intellectual capital that is not being nurtured. That yeah. could propel the nation back into a leadership status on so many of the frontiers that I grew up for which that was. Right. And you made this point earlier, Neil, that um, we used to lead the world in innovation, in science and whatever. We cannot afford to have so many children or any children really not fulfilling their potential. It is really, really a terrible um, reality that's facing America's future. And then the COVID pandemic has exacerbated all that because the kids that were behind the eight ball and in trouble before the pandemic ever appeared are in worse trouble now. In fact, uh, calling them the uh, pandemic generation of children who have impossible uh, catch-up missions now because you know a lot of them have had their education interrupted. Exactly the last thing we'd like to see happen. This kid's now say, say, yeah save the save the children did a survey yeah. uh, in September of twenty five thousand kids and less than one percent of the poor children interviewed had access to the internet versus nineteen percent who were non poor and they missed out on access to education healthcare food and in the early developmental yeah. years of yeah one, so this is the, five, this is the point know. Paul right so we are creating a situation that we're going to need something on the, akin to a Marshall Plan. Uh, to try to recover the potential and make up the lost uh, education. Okay, just remind me, the Marshall Plan was the rebuilding of Europe after the Second World exactly. War? Exactly, yeah. Okay, so this, this requires like broad cooperation yes. and progressive visionary thinking. And investment and commitment, right? So mm -hmm. this is what we need, and I think we really need it badly. And so this book, The Future of Us, 
which has been updated to include uh, issues about the pandemic specifically. But because oh, it just came out in paperback now, right? Because yes. it came out yes, before an updated the pandemic. version in paperback. Yes. Uh huh. It looks like this. Oh, you just happen to have one. <laughs> Isn't that funny? So this is the point here. I think we're going to need a lot of work and a lot of commitment. But like you point out, Neil, this is not just about a focus on our own children. That's easy for people like us. You know, we got the weird right. fault. We can do it. It happens to be understanding with empathy that there are many, many children who don't have what we're able to give our children. And it's in our interest as well as theirs that we right. are able, that we need to, to help them redress the... Even if you're feeling selfish. So, so you use the term that the children are the bellwethers of yeah. any society. Could you just give me a little more detail about that? Yeah. So what I mean by that is that if the children... Oh, by the way, because we have a comedian with us. Yeah. Paul, I've always thought of comedians as the bellwether of society because <laughs> you guys see you guys see stuff coming down and yeah. you comment well i know i hadn't thought about that yeah. oh is that weird that's yeah. how i behave yeah. i didn't know that <laughs> why why do you think society is in the shitter right now because because of us it's yeah. because of comedians so so how do children plug into this so here's the point so if you have a community uh that the where children are doing well, the majority of children are going to school, they're getting the health care they need, everything's fine. That portends well for the future. That's a society and a community that is trying to uh, make sure that the next generation has the ability to take care of the problems and the challenges that will certainly be facing us from climate change uh, to dealing with pandemics and so on. But if you have, on the other hand, uh, a community where children are not doing well, where there's failures in school, where there's kids are not getting health care, that is a very bad sign. And that's why I'm saying that children are the bellwethers. You can measure the success of society by how well our children do, are doing. And if they're doing mm. poorly, watch out, because we are not going to be in the same position 20 years from now. We're already tumbling in terms of international leadership and inspiration. And it's just going to get a whole lot worse. And I, but I think, look, I have apologized multiple times to young people for the mess that we're leaving them. <laughs> fact, after a few glasses of wine, the person as you should, as you should, it wedding. is your fault. It's all, it's all your <laughs> fault, Erwin. <laughs> I'm not going to because this is a family podcast, so I'm not going to use the language I used in front of these 400 young people. But I apologize for the mess that we that we're leaving them. And it, actually, it's true, you know. When I first started my career, it was in 1971 and 72, in rural Arkansas, running a uh, government-funded clinic, I was, you know, as a, I'm a child of the Kennedy and, and Johnson eras, and I thought 10 or 15 years from 1972, we would have ended child poverty, we would have ended racism, we would have uh, ended uh, lack of access to health care. And I said, in 10 or 15 years, this would all be history. Here we are half a century later, Neil and, and Paul, and it's like, what the hell did we do or didn't do uh, to leave the country much as it was back then? Yeah, yeah Paul's right. It's, it's just your fault. It, it, it is my fault. If you spend, le if you <laughs> spend less time hawking your book, <laughs> if you spend less time with, hey, <laughs> hey, here's my book, Sorry. everybody, and, you know. <laughs> you up the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we get it. You have a book. <laughs> no, kidding, kidding, kidding. Wait, but you so, know what? Can, can I just can I just say something though? Like th- this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. The problem with this thing is the elephant in the room, and it's not even something you want to talk about. It's the politics. I hear all yes. of these goals, and the politics is going to continue to get in the way. Wait, 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 because- wait, wait. However, however, I'm I'm um, I'm going to quote my father, my late father, who said, "It's not good enough to be right." You also have to be effective. So if you know the politics are going to get in the way, then you navigate that, okay? You, so it's not like you, politics are in the way and you're in a prison, all right? We, live, we still kind of live in a free society. And especially in modern times with access to the internet and podcasts and everything else, you are not, we are not powerless. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah. but let me ask you, did you your book has, yeah. you have other anecdotes about, um, your encounters with children? Sure. So there's another one uh, of a um, a kid I saw in a waiting room in the South Bronx, and I was just I was actually waiting for my wife, and I was sat down in the, in the waiting room with the kids and the families, and I see this little kid, a uh, girl playing with a little a little toy shark, and I'm saying, and, she's, and I said, uh, what what kind of uh, fish is that? It says it's a shark. And then she went in and gave, this was, this kid was, I don't remember, 12. And she went into this long explanation about different species of sharks. And it was, and I, I, it's in the South Bronx, in the poorest zip, urban zip code in America. And this kid was clearly in love with the science of, of uh, marine biology. And Okay, so Paul, what, you know what he's really saying here? He said, uh, so with those two examples... We need more movies like Jaws and yeah, Jurassic yeah. Park. Yeah. That's what exactly. you're saying here. Exactly. <laughs> and he, and he just happened to have write. He just happened to have written a script for both of those for sequels <laughs> yeah. that he sold. He's it's just funny, pimping stuff. It? It's all he's doing. I didn't even think of that. That's good. But yeah. you know, this kid had never been to an aquarium. In fact, most of the kids that I've talked about have never been to one of New York's museums, which are the mm-hmm. envy of the world. And it's yeah. just incredible how much we are blockading children from the experiences and the opportunities to, to pursue their lives like like our children are able to do and it's a pathetic indictment really of us so there were, and then then there was a kid who was a phenomenal graphic artist and i saw him in a homeless shelter um and his name was raymond and he had this big old you know backpack rucksack whatever it's called and i said what's in there he said uh, oh, just my artwork. And he started showing me drawing after drawing that he had done. He carries it around with him because wherever you... If you're homeless, you got you to you you move around with it. Yeah, right. he's got to take because yeah. he didn't trust leaving it any place. And it was unbelievable. And this kid was in a... Sh- I saw him in a shelter in Brooklyn. And he had also never been to an art museum in New York City. It's, it's mm-hmm. astounding. So mm-hmm. this is the this is the problem, and I was looking at it at a micro level, and then the book goes into well, what's the big picture here? And it's it's unfortunate, but I also would say there's there's optimism to be had here, Neil. I think we can fix it. This is not our inevitable fate. I am. Well, let's take a break and let's yeah. find out what is your recipe for fixing it before Paul just rails on you one more time. Okay, I, I can break it. I'm going to fix it. You think you can do it. Right, let's yeah. take a quick break, and when we come back, more with Erwin Redliner, just telling us about how we're going to survive this COVID pandemic and what our kids 
role they will need to play going forward. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops Driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. PXG Black Ops Driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops Drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. PXG.com slash StarTalk, code StarTalk. Hey, it's time to give a Patreon shout out to the following Patreon patrons. Ryan Barato, Dan Snyder, and Sheila Hudson. Guys, you are the solid rocket fuel that propels us to the stars. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do the show without you. And for those of you who'd like your very own Patreon shout out, please go to Patreon.com slash StarTalk Radio and support us. Thank you.
We're back. Star Talk. I got Paul Mercurio. Paul, good to have you, man. Oh, great to be here. All right. And you're looking healthier than the last time we had you on. Uh, You're rising up out of COVID. Do you have your taste buds back yet? No, I don't. I mean, I do some days, and sometimes in the middle of a meal, I'll taste it, and then all of a sudden, I can't taste anything for the And you find out, oh, I thought I ordered pizza, but I'm eating cardboard from (laughs) Staples. Okay. It's really helping my budget, I'll tell you that. Uh, The cardboard is cheaper. Yeah. Also, for some reason, soda right now, Coke, ginger ale, can't, can't drink it. It has this horrible taste, and I don't know if there's a chemical in there or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, Strange. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 uh, Erwin, we've we've been talking about your book, yeah. the future of us, and so you, what you're telling us is that it has sort of gut wrenching uh, stories of children who will never realize their potential. So, do you have any positive? <laughs> I, I don't mean to make light of that fact, but generally, this is America. We like happy endings to things. So, are you doing something? Is the country doing something? Is the world doing something? How are we not going to lose people? I, you know, I, I think about you uh, often, Neil, because you are the purveyor of the most effective articulation of the need for people learning and science and what that means to us. And we're in a very bad spot right now. And the solution is not just you continuing to talk, but we got to get people who will listen and people who hold the purse strings and are able to change policies. And this is why, to Paul's point, the answer, unfortunately, and unfortunately for a lot of scientists, a lot of public health experts who keep thinking if they write one more paper that somehow government will be convinced and they'll do the right thing. It's just mm-hmm. bullshit. And what is going to matter is having the right recipients of the information that are controlling our dollars and our policies. That's, I mean, that's what it's boiled down to for me. And uh, look, I think the answer is that we need something that I mentioned before that we're calling like a Marshall Plan for children, which is the Marshall Plan referring, as you pointed out, to the, uh, the incredible investment we made in Europe to have it recover after World War II. We need a similar investment, a moonshot, uh, that will make us uh, adhere to a national vision for what we can do and an investment to make sure that no child goes to an inadequate school. Every child has health care they need. And families are helped to rise out of poverty. It's well, it's, you know, I hadn't heard that phrase in so many decades. A national vision. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's only just about me and you, yeah, exactly. and, and it's not about us. Yeah. Well, no. But the word "us" is in your title of your book. Yeah. The future of the future us. Future of us. And that's so, what, Paul. Let's let's go. Let's go to. I think you have some questions that you. That yes, we got yes, from we Instagram. Yeah. Let's go to on Instagram. We have something from. Uh, Manavaret 11, how will the pandemic affect children whose analytic brain is still developing? Ooh, interesting. Yeah, so, so does the COVID get in the brain or is it just disrupting the system that educates you and so now there's a gap in when you could have learned but you can't right it, now? It's actually both, Neil, because we know that uh, there can be neurological symptoms uh, from people that had COVID. There was just a report out that children uh, are we're increasingly uh, seeing the uh, problems of uh, the effect on the neurological system and brain function in children. Still very small numbers, but something for us to uh, worry about, unfortunately. And uh, that's what we're dealing with. But also... Wait, just to generalize that, that notion, just to generalize it. So what we're saying here is if you have a fully formed brain, 
Yeah. It's more, it, it's, it's more uh, resistant to assaults on it, whatever those assaults might be, relative to one that is still taking shape. This is a very important point, and this is why the focus should be on children. Because if you experience trauma, and if you get COVID, or you, you are in a you know, refugee camp, and you're, for years you're suffering in and, and, and agony, you will, uh, once the situation, the adversities leave, you are feeling better, and you are better. For children who are, especially younger children, whose brain is in active development mode, they are affected by all sorts of trauma and all sorts of uh, absence of the appropriate stimulation of the brain, which is why it's a problem if they are interrupted in their educational uh, trajectory. So, yeah, if the children, if, if we, it's, there's a timeliness here uh, with doing what children need versus what adults need. And uh, that has to do with the biology of brain development, and it's really important, Neil, exactly as you point okay. out. Okay, all right, cool. And all then, right, go ahead, Paul. Next, uh, yeah. next one? Mm-hmm. Okay. By the way, is there any chance this COVID and regarding kids' brains, anything to kind of keep them from asking why? A million times? <laughs> just, just, I'm not saying I'm a fan of it, but like, why do you ask? a little... <laughs> nice. I'm sorry. I didn't say that. We see what you did there. That was good. Oh my god! Yeah. I hate it when it's, you're it's the why gene or the why. Yeah. You're smarter than I am. You're funnier than I am. Okay, number the, the two. Neither is true, Next but one. okay. <laughs> no. Um, what kind of uh, mental effects is being in quarantine having on people, especially Ooh. teenagers? Yeah. Yeah. So it depends because some families and children do okay, and some don't. So what's the difference? So the families are able to become more resilient to the traumas and weirdness associated with quarantine and and, uh, all the other regulations and rules that we have now in a COVID world um, is that, you know, for children, we set up a schedule. We have, uh, we create play times. We're eating together as a family. We talk through things that are bothering us and we entertain ourselves the best we can. I'm telling you, you know, comedians, just to, make a point here, uh, Paul, are really important because of not only the insights that come from good comedy, it, they're really important, but they also are distracting from focusing on the downside, the doom side of what we're dealing with. We're going to be dealing with COVID-19 for another couple of years. So we got to settle in. We got to figure out ways to keep ourselves uh, intact mentally and psychologically and it's really important. It's about building adaptability and uh, and resilience in young people. And it's doable. And this is one of the things I talk about in the book. Uh, interesting, because the, this notion about comedy, I'm a big fan of comedy. I know you and, are. Okay. And so, and I attempt it every now and then, not on the stage, but I'll speckle what I'm doing with some attempts sure. trying to be funny. So I, I tweeted recently the beginning of a of a coronavirus joke, but not having the end of it. And I invited people to give me their best ending. And I just simply said, a coronavirus walks into a bar. That's all I said. I said, (laughs) give me some help here. I need a punchline. I I don't have a punchline. And so 2,000 entries, if you want to call it that, came came by. And But anyhow, there were a few, not many, maybe three or four people who said, you are making light of a pandemic where 200,000 people have died. I expect more serious communication from you. And so, Erwin, your point that you have to see the humor in the tragedy, otherwise you've got no lifeline. I mean, 
I don't want to. I don't want to second judge how those people actually felt about it. Yeah. But you you seem to be saying that I was okay. You're, you're you're endorsing the fact that I at least attempted this exercise. So I was speaking with Nicole Wallace and a New York Times reporter named Nick Confessori on MSNBC a couple of weeks ago. Can't remember. I think we mentioned this, but and I'm talking about something very serious about a big uptick in COVID. And I see Nicole Wallace starting to smile, and Nick Comfort is laughing. And I realize, I turn my head, and my four-year-old grandson, my youngest grandson, has made a cameo appearance and has appeared on either side of me, jumping up and down. And listen, that clip got over 600,000 views, and I was inundated with texts, not texts, with uh, tweets from people saying they loved it, they laughed. It was the first big laugh they've had in... You know, months, mm. it was an incredibly positive, uniformly positive response. And it points out to me what you just said. We need a break. We need a break. Um, and, you know, this is the kind of, you know, humor that people don't get that, you know, like in the operating rooms and whatever amongst the docs, you know, you, you are taking a break from the sorrow and the tragedy. And that's human. And I'm, I'm fine with it. I don't mock anything about the seriousness. And I'm a major attacker of Trump and all that. But, you know, my God, we're all feeling incredible stress. Incredible. You know, if you don't have the comedy to make a point, then, it, like you said, it just becomes yeah. this sort of mor- morose, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's glad to hear that you think it's necessary. So, uh, so Paul, I think we got time for like one sure. or two more questions. If okay, we can answer them efficiently, okay. Okay. maybe okay. get in a Sorry, few more. Okay. okay, I was trying. No, no, I was, no, I was, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> we I'm love your stories. So... No, I was not dissing on you, no. Uh, um, Hang on one second. All right. This, 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 this one is similar to the one I just asked. So I'm going to skip it. Uh, this is from uh, Adam Gulada. How do we become more educated as uh, citizens on COVID-19? People think it's fake. Yeah, so, so let, me, let me reshape that, Erwin. The, the source of education to learn what is not fake is out there. So there's a wanton disregard for what is true by a subset of the people. What do you do with them? And it's not a matter of just, oh, here's what the truth is. No, oh, no, I never knew that. And, and then everyone me, holds hands. Right. So let me just hearken back to the anti-vax movement that existed, you know, for decades, long before COVID came. Did you ever speak to somebody who was opposed to vaccines? It's, you You cannot, there's, I, I don't know at least, what to tell people about the truth that Co- that uh, the mumps and measles rebel vaccine, that it does not cause autism. It's been debunked. Yeah, as, as they say, you can't use reason to argue someone out of a point that they didn't use reason to get into. Right. I mean, these are the same people who electrocute themselves on a regular basis. You're not going to be able to convince them. Well, I mean, these people said to me, it's fake in Florida. It's yeah. a hoax. I looked in their eyes. They weren't, they believed it in their soul. But Paul, that was Florida. We know the Florida. <laughs> there was a headline. There was a headline. I, I have this headline. It, it was Florida sheriff urges residents not to shoot their guns into the hurricane. <laughs> this was a. This was a. So Florida, we don't. Something. Florida is yeah, another. They're an outlier. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so do you have any? Do you have anything up your sleeve, Erwin, for folks that? that you can't otherwise convince? Yeah, it's very, very difficult. And I, this, in a certain way, is your core business, um, 
you know, Neil, and, and yeah, trying to help people understand how important knowledge and truth is. And I don't, you know, I'm not sure what the ticket is to, to make this happen right now. If anything softens people, it's how things affect their children and children. And there's studies, uh, uh, Save the Children did a study and regarding the effects of, of what's going on. And it's, you know, 83% of the kids reported negative feelings and there were violence, was a violence uptick in the home and, and so forth. Dropping Domestic out, violence, yeah, yeah. Domestic violence. Mm-hmm. So that those facts are facts, and when you put that in front of people, even who are skeptical, is is maybe should there be a greater emphasis on studies like that and, and what and the information that they just to, uh, yeah, I mean, to reach them emotionally then yeah, rather yeah. than yeah sure yeah. those studies are good, but I think Neil might confirm this information does not necessarily convince someone who has deep ideological religious whatever it is there's, there's there's no competition. Science and facts, unfortunately, turn out to be not a strong competitor. And mm-hmm. I know, mm-hmm. you know, the two people that I, you know, well, you, Neil, and uh, our late pal, uh, Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan, yeah. Spent lives and careers on trying to get people to understand the beauty and the importance of learning through the scientific process or whatever you want to call it, uh, but really, mm-hmm. really being curious about how the world works and that curiosity plays out as we learn more and we learn more through science and evidence and all that. So we're going to have to leave it at that. That's at least a mildly uh, uplifting thought relative to everything else that came out of your mouth in the last <laughs> <laughs> This is kind of embarrassing in a way, but yeah, I, I take it. I can take it. You'll take that. You take yeah. it. You take it. Paul, keep getting better. Thank you. And put down that cardboard. It's not a pepperoni pizza. <laughs> and I always say this, and I want to say it again. If I had Neil as my science teacher, I would be a scientist today. He makes it accessible, fun, and really. No, I don't make it accessible. It's always that. I'm just revealing the fact that it was always that. Don't disagree with me when I'm no. complimenting you. Jesus, <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> Thank All you. Right. Thanks, for, so, thanks, for, thanks for having me. Great to be on and great to meet you, doctor. Excellent. Likewise, Paul. Be well. Erwin Redliner's book, The Future of Us, um, an exploration of how children will inherit an earth and what kind of earth do we want to hand over to them. And so, Erwin, always good to see you on well, Likewise, Neil. Thank you. And nice to meet All you, right. Paul, and really um, get better quick. Thank yeah. you. I so, appreciate it. Neil deGrasse Tyson here, your personal astrophysicist, as always, bidding you to keep looking up. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. 
Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.